Hey there, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Next In Line podcast. In the booth today, in the studio, you got Adam Davis here alone, and uh, going to talk to you a bit about what's going on right now uh, behind the scenes and some estimations and whatnot and fun fun guessing games as we sit around and wait for the next match in Loudoun United's bye week. That's right, we are in the middle of a bye week. I'm um, talk a little bit about uh, OC, Orange County. Uh, FC. We're going to talk a little about how how that all happened and went. We're going to talk about some upcoming matches. We're going to talk about uh, the table, how things are shaking out, and 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 what to watch for during this bye week. If you're if you're bored and you don't have the red and the white to to, to check out, um, and some other fun stuff as well to break down. So thanks for tuning in, and I'm going to get right down to it. I'm going to get down to the ugly first, and uh, what what is uglier than an, an at home loss against a team that is is definitely beatable. Um, and, and ended, started and ended in any, in every way possible uh, in an ugly way. And that was Orange County SC, soccer club. We go back and forth here. We like that. Um, so uh, OCSC came to town and, again, was a winnable match. And it was one of probably the worst performances of the season for Loudoun United. Uh, all around terrible. Um, if it wasn't for the fact that uh, if you're a Fought Mob stat a follower like myself, that uh, Jackson Hopkins' goal uh, what and his uh, just overall performance sitting in that attacking role when in Tommy Williams's red card absence uh, was his good his role was good enough to uh, earn a, a man of the match award on the night according to Fat Mob highest rated in position player uh, on the night and that's pretty cool considering he was not on the winning team at all um, look we don't want to talk a lot about it Jackson Hopkins Khalil Medkar and his assist and, and Zach Ryan were the bright spots. Um, the, the three of them were, were pretty sharp despite Tommy's suspension. You know, you, you kind of hoped that the Zach Ryan-Tommy Williamson uh, combination would continue. Uh, you kind of hoped that Zach Ryan would notch another goal and, and hit uh, double figures in the league, uh, but he's currently still tied for second at, at the top of the uh, scoring charts. Um, uh, those are bad goals. All of them were bad goals to let in, um, you know, whether that's uh, not, you know, not staying on your line or not committing to uh, to going off your line or, or whatever it is. Um, it, it was not good by by Dane Jackman. Uh, I think that I think he knows it. Everybody knows it. Um, and the the darkest probably moment of the entire match wasn't even the the bad goals and the lapses of judgment and things that we've seen throughout the season. But it was uh, an exceptionally high level of lapse of judgment, which was Giannis Learman's late stoppage time red card, meaning that we are without uh, our one of our best players, a, a star center back, um, finally getting back our, our ideal center back pairing, which is Giannis Learman and Cole Turner. And uh, we are going to lose uh, Learman for a critical match at the end of the bye week against Miami FC at home at Segrafield July 29th. So uh, that is going to actually, that's going to be all. That's all I'm going to talk about Orange County. Um, ugly, bad match. Don't watch the highlights. If you haven't watched it, then uh, maybe unsubscribe from ESPN for like two days and then, you know, rejoin uh, before the, the next match or next uh, round of matches in the USL Championship. But um, talking about Giannis Learman's uh, his absence, it brings a pretty interesting uh, situation, I guess you could say, meaning that there's a pretty significant chance we might see the, uh, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninth 
it might be the ninth center back pairing. Uh, if you look at just a back line of four or just a, you know, I know sometimes we like to run three center backs and all that fun uh, sauce. But if you're looking at just true out and out center back pairings, this could be the ninth separate center back pairing that Loudoun United has trotted out if Cole Turner and Bryce Washington start the game as I would expect they would in Learman's absence. Um, Washington and Learman did pretty well together when Cole Turner had to leave early in the season. Um, so be interesting to see how Washington and, and Turner do. Um, gosh, this is, I'm going to start ripping names off really quickly and it's going to get really confusing really fast. I, I'm going to go through a couple of the, the substantial pairings that we've had and maybe some of the ones that haven't worked so well. Um, first off, uh, the largest run of pairings was that Giannis Learman Bryce Washington pairing with seven matches that the, that the two of them played. Uh, right behind that was the ideal and I think starting the season center back pairing, Learman and Turner, which is the second most common that we've had, which is one match behind that six matches, meaning that this Miami match might have been what uh, would have tied those those two. Uh, Washington and Chica, when uh, when Learman was then uh, knocked out for a few weeks, uh, they had five matches together in third place, and Chica Akinboni and fourth, three matches. Um, and then you got a couple other pairings like. Chica and Learman and Chica and Jace Clark. Uh, Bryce Washington, Knocking Boney even got a, a game. And uh, Jace Clark and uh, Giannis Learman. Man, <laughs> it is uh, it is back and forth with a lot of different center back parents. It's, it's absolutely, I would say, very uncommon at the professional level to see this many combinations. But it's been a necessity as a result of, uh, of, of health issues, suspension issues, and, and overall just opportunities and talent that have come up and through the D.C. ranks uh, like uh, Matayak and Boney, who we're currently not seeing, presumed uh, still injured or at least nursing back uh, the injury he earned a few weeks ago. Um, th- this That's a big deal, uh, you know, but I would say all eyes on Miami, all eyes on, on a potential Bryce Washington, Cole Turner uh, pairing and, and see what they can do. You know, Bryce Washington does both both of the two of them do well because they can kind of get forward and impact the midfield as well. Cole Turner has been strained forward a lot, a lot more often. Uh, I think in a couple times, a couple late games, we've even brought on an additional defender for him to be able to stray nearly into an attacking role and provide uh, additional running lanes for our uh, for our midfielders. So uh, you know, having Learman there to kind of anchor the back line has been has been helpful. Uh, but you know him being out of position, far out on the right wing, and then suddenly making silly decisions, uh, he's not going to be available. So um, we'll have him back at home uh, on August second for the the Memphis 901 match. So <clears throat> hope to see that that turn out all right. I think that uh, there was also a yellow card uh, during that uh, forgettable match uh, for Nanahasa Landry, but I believe his accumulation is he's already had one suspension for accumulation. I think his next one will be another three more yellow cards. So hopefully that doesn't happen anytime soon because he is currently at an astounding rate of, uh, of of collecting yellow cards. Um, upcoming matches I already talked about it. Miami FC. We're in the midst. If you listen to my last episode, we're in the middle of a, of a run of very winnable matches. We got Miami FC. We already beat them. We got a chance of doing the double at home. So the advantage is ours. Uh, you know, you, you got to hope that that they uh, are, are not going to. First of all, we're going to be rested. They're still a very leaky defense, but they're also a very sharp attack. Kyle Murphy and Christian Sorter are going to be really looking to kind of burn us, um, <clears throat> like they have in the past. 
Um, but we again, we've already done the hard part, and we've already taken advantage uh, of this, uh, this this set of matches. And so, uh, you know, hosting them at Seger Field, you got to hope that uh, we can we can come out and get get the W there. It's it's uh, I would say as much of a mo- must win to save the season as ever before. Um, and I'm going to explain a little bit as to why that is when I do a bit of the Eastern Conference table breakdown. Um, after Miami, we got Memphis 901, a darn good team, but a team that we beat in week one uh, pretty handily and one of the better performances of the season. San Diego Loyal SC has been up and down all season. Las Vegas Lights are maybe arguably the worst team in the league, probably tied around the Hartford uh, realms. Sacramento Republic FC is not going to be an easy game. Indy 11 is, uh, is winnable. Is winnable, um, and then you get to start really getting into the re- real tough matches that we're going to finish season. These are the points if we want to make the playoffs. These are the games we need to get points in. Uh, these, these are must wins. Uh, a lot of these we need. We drawing to Detroit not acceptable. Losing to Orange County really really hurt. Um, so we're in kind of the do or die situation. I think that a lot of Loudon fans have experienced this part of the season happening a lot earlier in previous years. So it's nice, you know, that we're rounding the, the, the turn and the final section of July and we're still in the conversation for a playoff spot. But uh, we could watch that dwindle away uh, this weekend alone, even as we don't play on this bye week because um, there are teams around us that uh, have opportunities to, to, to jump ahead. So that's that's going to be my segue. I'm going to talk about the Eastern Conference. Right now, Loudoun United is uh, well ahead of the pack when it comes to games played. And that's a bad thing, right? Um, in the world of football or soccer, as we here in America like to call it, um, we refer to this as games in hand, and you like to be the team that has them. But, you know, points earned are always more valuable than potential points earned. So uh, there are teams above us and below us, and all of them have games in hand on us. Um, most notably, Indy, I believe, has two games in hand on us, and there are a point above us on the table. I stand corrected. I've got the table in front of me. They have four games in hand on us. Um, they've also got a match against us. That means that they're going to be dealing with some substantial fixture congestion. Um, and looking at their schedule, that fixture congestion includes some rough and rowdy matches. New Mexico United away is never easy. They got Miami as well, and they've got us. Um, you know, Memphis 901, just like us, Phoenix Rising, Rio Grande Valley FC, and Detroit FC. These are games that are going to be there's gonna be a lot to win, a lot to lose. Um, it'll come down to the wire. But, man, it, it's just unsure how that's going to shake out. But them having um, four games in hand, uh, which if you're a mathematician, that is the equivalent of 12 points, and being a point ahead of us in the table, and being the current holder for the final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference – does not look good for Loudon. Um, below us, on the other hand, you got Detroit City FC, uh, a team that we just drew against in a game we should not have drawn against. Um, and they are one game in hand on us. Uh, we've played 22. They've played 21. They're tied on points. And they have uh, an easier run of games. They've got some of the similar ones we have, like Las Vegas, uh, Miami, and, and, and they've even got Monterey coming up at home over the weekend right now. These are games to tune into. I'm just going to tell you that Detroit-Monterey Bay FC game and the uh, the Indy away at Memphis 901 is going to be uh, on – oh, sorry, I'm looking at the August fixtures. Um, no, see, yeah, there we go. Indy's got a tough run. Um, and that's This is to reiterate the point I was making. They got Tampa Bay is who they have this weekend on July 22nd, Saturday, um, 7 p.m. kickoff. That's a really big one to watch. 
After that, they got Pittsburgh, Louisville, Memphis, Birmingham. All of those could be losses. They could get maybe points against Miami. I could also see them losing points to Miami just because of the fixture congestion. They're playing two a week every week until late August. Um, El Paso after that. Uh, so really, really, yeah, if you're, if you're bored on Saturday night, um, or you're just a soccer junkie like myself, I, I would have that on um, while you're making dinner or you're, uh, you're hanging out or whatever. You know, if you find, that, you find yourself at a bar, ask them if they got ESPN Plus because uh, Indy, Indy 11, Tampa Bay Rowdies, and then Detroit and Monterey Bay FC, those are the ones that you're really going to care about um, and you hate to root for losses, but that's what you'll be doing. If you're a Loudon fan, <clears throat> that's hoping that we uh, leave our current position on the table, which is ninth. Um, and this is a big deal, folks. You know, I can't reiterate the table enough because this is the best. This season is the best chance that Loudon has ever had. Not just because of our performances on the table, but because there are eight teams out of twelve going to the playoffs this year. They have changed the structure of the playoffs almost every year for the last for every year that the, that, that Loudon has been in. Some because of COVID, some because of just re- restructuring of the league. There are eight teams. Eight separate teams will make it to the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, meaning only four will not. If we do not make it this year, that is going to really sting for the fans, for the new ownership group, for a lot, a lot of folks. Um, so if you got friends, bring them out to the stadium, make some noise. The, the, the players, they feed off of it. They, they get energy off of it. Get out there. You know, you know absolutely cheer them on because um, their backs are against the wall right now. Uh, we are not in a good spot. And so you got to hope that uh, there's something that can be done to turn it around. What could that be? I'm going to talk about, um, I'm going to transition to two more segments. This is going to be a relatively quick episode, and I hope you all appreciate that because it's a bye week again um, and because we don't want to talk about the last match. <clears throat> um, the first thing I want to do is I'm going to talk about uh, Luis Zamudio, uh, a goalkeeper who... I think Loudon fans are probably familiar with, unless you're a recent fan. This season, Luis Amudio played uh, for a little while, uh, had, a, had a ton of caps for, for Loudon. Um, last season, was our primary goalkeeper and did great and did so well that he earned himself um, one of those coveted call-ups to DC United at the time when we were still owned by DC United. One of the last names to kind of get in before that, that door shut, and it didn't shut. DC still has a hand in on our players, and that's great news for them and for us. But Luis Amudio is on DC United's books, and he was loaned for about a month, month and a half to the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, an Eastern Conference rival of ours, uh, for about a month and a half, for six, five games, for five games. Um, and he did exceptional. Um, it, was, it was a pretty amazing run. During that time, in those five games, he allowed one goal, <clears throat> all five games, He had meaning he had four clean sheets. <clears throat> he only netted not six saves um, during that time. So he's, the defense of Pittsburgh is, is pretty stellar. But that all occurred throughout the course of a, a really rough run of form. I think that Pittsburgh looked at those matches and said, we cannot, you know, our, our starting goalkeeper is out. He was participating in the Gold Cup, um, as a lot of players have been in, uh, in the USL Championship. And we're not confident with our backups and I don't know who their backups are. I apologize. Um, probably a former Latin player. Uh, but we're not confident with our backups in those those really rough games. So we're going to bring in some veteran presence and, and, and tie in here with DC United. And so those games were against Oakland Roots. Not a bad team at all. San Diego LLC. Not a bad team. Mid-table. 
Louis, Louisville City FC, very, very good team. Sacramento Republic FC, a very, very good team. And then again against Louisville City FC. Um, his spot mob ratings for those were uh, the, the win against Louisville. It was a 1-0, one 1-0 one one uh, win. was a 7.9. He had a 7.3 in the draw against Sacramento Republic. He had a 7.5 against Louisville the, the first time. The, the 7.9 was the second time. <clears throat> also a 0-0 draw. Um, he has 7.5 against San Diego Loyal. Uh, not three, two saves in that. He had three saves against Oakland Roots and an 8.1 and was rated the man of the match uh, in, in that uh, 0-0 draw. So uh, that was two wins, looks like three draws, uh, and, and, and no losses during that time uh, for Luis Amudio. So he's back on DC United's books. I imagine training with the team as things are slow for the MLS All-Star break. Um, but... You have to wonder if you're uh, if you're Ryan Martin right now. If you're asking folks, the powers that be over at Audi Field, uh, you know Jackman and and Ferro are, are just not cutting at the moment. Jackman has been really good, uh, but he's also been pretty bad at times. Um, I, I think he's at the out and out starter right now. I think Ferro's just kind of struggled um, on and off. But uh, Jackman's performance was uh, against Orange County was one of the worst we've had from a goalkeeper in a while. Um, could they be looking at Zamudio in the books? I don't know. Bringing him on the books? I'm not sure. Uh, Rooney really loves Tyler Miller, if you're familiar with and following DC United this year. Um, and they've got Alexander uh, Bono as well. Bono. Um, so this is all to say, you know, probably I'm not pinning these things on Faroe or on Jackman. Um, I think that they make a lot more saves in a game oftentimes than I think uh, Zamudio had to make in that entire five-game streak, and, and Zamudio will be under fire a lot more if he gets loaned to us uh, than, than that. Um, our defense is consistently uh, forcing Hugo and Dane to win 1v1s, and they should not be doing that. Uh, should not be having to do that, and, and they are consistently doing it. Uh, they're regularly up for save of the week, um, which is nifty, but also sucks, right? Um, so, yeah. Just gonna throw that out there. I, I don't think a goalkeeper is is in the books, or I don't think it's our our saving grace uh, for for getting out of this this pickle that we're in. I think um, our, our midfield needs a little work, and um, I think someone needs to start scoring goals regularly. And I think we need to get out of the referee's back pocket as well. Um, that to say, stop getting red guards. So that's all I got. Um, th th I'm gonna do. Uh, I've been <laughs> promising this for a little while. I'm gonna do uh, my my final segment as the "Where Are They Now" segment. I'm gonna do a, a quick uh, liner on that, and uh, and then I'm gonna wrap it up. So this week's "Where Are They Now" segment is on a former attacking midfielder or central midfielder named Antonio Bustamante, a name that people are probably pretty familiar with if you've been a fan of this team for a long time. But if you're a, a, you know, a fan as of the last few years, you've probably never heard of him. So feel free, if you're not driving, uh, to give him a Google and follow along. Um, so who is Antonio or Tony Bustamante? Um, and what is his significance to Loudoun United? So him and his brother were signed during Loudoun's inaugural 2019 season. Uh, Tony was far more superior. I believe both or at least one of them went to William & Mary. He was the more regular contributor. I don't think we actually even saw Sandor off of the practice field. Um, but he was he was one of the most substantial contributors to us as a newcomer to the USL Championship. <clears throat> he was technically, I think, a loanee from DC United. It was one of those times where those were kind of blurred because everything was one-year contract. So 
might as well everybody have been alone. Um, he was a homegrown contract awardee to, to DC, so that's pretty nifty. Um, so he had come up through the DC United Academy, and uh, yeah, I think he play, he broke off and played uh, NCAA ball at William and uh, Mary. So in his only season with the club, he notched five goals, five assists, and 27 appearances. He had perfect disciplinary record. We love that right now. Um, no cards of, of any color uh, were issued in his direction. Uh, he was born in Fairfax, Virginia, and uh, held citizenship with both the United States and Bolivia. And that's important because he played for the Bolivian national team uh, for, uh, I believe, two games. One of them was, I believe, maybe both of them were while he was playing for Loud United, um, which afforded him the opportunity to play in some pretty substantial uh, matches and against some substantial opponents in Cotton Bowl, uh, such as against Brazil, where he played on the same field as uh, notable names like Thiago Silva, uh, Philip Coutinho, uh, Casimiro, Roberto Firmino, and even Neymar uh, in a uh, 2022 World Cup qualifying match. Really cool stuff. Um, he was also, fun fact for the Loudon Stampede goers and in, in, in the listening right now, um, he was one of the first players to uh, earn his own song by the Loudon Stampede. Um, so if you want to dig that up, uh, go right ahead. So where is he now? Life after Loudon. Um he, after DC decided not to exercise the option, I think it's the best way to say that, right? He did not exercise his option on his homegrown contract to, to renew him for another year. He moved uh, and went to go play for a team called Blooming uh, Santa Cruz in the Bolivian top flight. Um, and I think that that was probably, I would assume, to appeal to the Bolivian national team, hoping to get more minutes out there. Uh, he had an eight-month stint out there, and then he transferred to a club called uh, Club Natico Calparibe. I'm probably ruining this. And that's in the Brazilian Serie C, which is their third tier. Um, kind of failing to ever have an impact at either of those two clubs. Uh, he was released by Natico in June of 2021. His brief period during the summer of 2021 where he was listed as without a club not sure where he was, maybe training um, with squads overseas, but eventually he landed a deal with a team called Disted FC in the third tier of the Danish pyramid. So a good ways from South America, I think, finding an opportunity out there. Um, he had two pretty successful seasons with a handful of tallied goals and assists, and that kind of fueled his transfer to the club and uh, and currently to the club he's currently with, excuse me, it fueled the transfer to the club he's with now, which is Bold Klubben AF 1893, or otherwise known as B93. Um, he plays in the second tier now of Danish football. And at the end of the 2022-2023 campaign, uh, they finished at the top of the table and competed in the promotion table where they finished second. Um, feel free to Google that. Uh, every league does promotions and relegations. We've talked about this in the past, but every league does promotions and uh, relegations differently. And in, in um, Denmark, they do it as a separate table uh, once the, the league reaches a certain point. Um, and after playing the into the promotion table, they finished second overall. And they with that second place finish, they were granted automatic promotion to the Danish first division for the 2023-2024 season. Um, so his current contract, so the rest of the world right now is not playing right now. They're, they're in preseason. Uh, as everybody knows, if they watched uh, AFC Rex, Wrexham lose to, to Chelsea, um, so uh, it, it's hard to know exactly where 
because we're in that mid, you know, midway point between the two seasons where his contract situation is is at. It's it's not known. Um, it's at least it's not online as of the time I'm recording this. Um, but it, it looks like he could be hanging around the B93s uh, as they return to the top flight. Uh, his he's he had three goals and four assists since making the transfer to them in January. Um, so I imagine that that was probably enough to enough contribution for them to want to keep him around. And it's exciting to see. Uh, you know him kind of fall out at one point in in, in various teams across South America and now uh, jump back into the fray and succeed by experiencing a promotion push that was successful to play in the top flight of a country um, in you know being the team uh, team in Denmark. Um, if you want to do some real digging, you can find out where former Loudon uh, player Panos Armanakis played in Denmark as well. But that's all I got for Antonio Bustamante, and that means that's all I've got for the episode. Thank you very much, as always, for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed this bi-week episode uh, with all sorts of little goodies in the back, uh, you know, for you to, to, to check out, such as Luis Zumudio's Pittsburgh Riverhounds uh, run and uh, a, a former Loudoun United uh, player profile. So that's all I got again. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll catch you all next time out here.